Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I am going to just go ahead and let my guest uh, lead the introduction because to be quite honest, I don't know her. So please tell me about you. Where are you from? What council? And how are you involved in Girl Scouts? Sure. So I am Trisha. I started Girl Scouts in Santa Clara County Council, which I believe now is Girl Scouts of Northern California. I currently live in the Triangle of North Carolina, which is Raleigh-Durham, and so I'm currently active in the North Carolina Coastal Pines Council. Um, My current involvement is pretty multifaceted, as many volunteers are. I am a troop leader for a, quote, normal troop, um, and then I'm also a member of two special interest troops. So we have Troop 7000, which is an international travel troop, and then also Troop 7110, which is a trailblazers and special interest backpacking troop. Um, I'm also certified as a American Red Cross lifeguard instructor, so I can help teach the lifeguard course to other volunteers or potentially older girls so they can get certified and help girls get into the water. And then I'm also certified in the recently retired American Red Cross small craft safety for canoeing and kayaking, so I can help girls get on the water as well as in. Um, My last major role for right now is as a member of the Girl Scout Gold Award Committee, um, to help get girls' proposals and final report, excuse me, <laughs> reports approved and guide all the steps along the way. Um, in addition to all that, I guess my prior roles also include area service unit manager, staff at summer camp, a council delegate for the national convention, fall product support manager for both the service unit and troop levels, and who knows what else. Um, but I'm also a Girl Scout um, Silver Award recipient, a gold award recipient, and a lifetime member. So I like to think of myself as bleeding green. Okay. Holy moly. You are the Girl Scout queen as far as I'm concerned. I feel like, I mean, you've done it all and I have so many questions. The first of which is when it comes to special interest troops, were these programs that already existed in your council that you got involved with or did you help start them? For both of the troops, the, I guess, primary leader is another individual, and I am considering myself more of a supporting role. Um, they, the international travel troop, I think, was kind of spurred from another council who had a similar troop, and so our um, primary leader kind of mimicked that. And then my understanding is that the Trailblazers is part of kind of a old school legacy program that GSUSA is providing minimal um, support and guidance for to allow troops to kind of help get back into the outdoors and kind of maybe combat some um, opposing viewpoints, if I want to say that. Sure. Okay. So if girls want to be part of both, I mean... How, first of all, I think the question that immediately comes up for a lot of people is how does the money earning work with being part of both a special interest troop and a normal troop, a standard troop? So for our council, the special interest troops are typically something that you do in addition to your normal troop. So you have a quote, regular troop that you go to weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever your meetings are. Um, both of them, both of these troops in particular are also focused on levels cadet and up. Um, so they're not really intended for anyone younger, um, for fundraising for the trailblazers troop. We honestly don't really do a lot of fundraising. Um, we 
try to keep costs pretty minimal. There's a minimal amount of dues for the girls who want to join the troop. It mostly helps cover like the cost of supplies. And when we take trips and things, there might be an, a small additional fee to help cover the cost of the, the food and the campsite rental and anything like that. Um, but there's not a whole lot of money that goes into that. Obviously, that's not the case for international. Um, so the International Travel Troop, um, one of the main focuses is fundraising to help girls to get financially um, on these trips in addition to like mentally and physically prepared for them if they need to learn about money and they need to learn about customs and culture and that kind of thing as well. Um, so girls who um, do have a traditional troop typically will do most of their fundraising with their traditional troop, but then may kind of double dip into the international travel troop as well. Um, cookies ends up being a little bit of a tricky scenario because you really can only sell cookies for one troop. So what I understand for most girls to do is they sell cookies with their normal troop and then maybe transfer a little bit of the money in. So if they come to some kind of agreement and it definitely has to be spoken about like before the cookie sale um, gets to the end, but if they normally sell, I don't know, 200 boxes, well, maybe they sell 200 boxes for their normal troop. And then anything they sell outside of that can be transferred over to the international travel troop to help put in money towards there. Um, if they don't have a normal troop, then obviously it can all go towards the travel. Um, and then the travel troop also does a lot of other fundraisers to help girls get reach their goals that obviously are completely separate. Um, it's just the, I guess, council fall and cookie sale that make things a little more challenging. For sure. And how large are these special interest troops? Um, so I think the Trailblazers troop is probably about 50 um, girls large on paper, although we meet every other week, um, currently via Zoom, and then like one activity per month. Um, that gets actually outdoors. Um, and the number of girls who actually show up to anything is probably in the ballpark of, I don't know, 15-ish um, on a semi-regular basis. Um, the International Travel Troop has a lot of people on the roster um, for just people who think that they're interested. Um, but I think the troop ends up going on about three different trips per year, like maybe two-ish summer trips and then like a spring break trip, um, obviously pre-COVID. Um, and then there's probably, if I had to guess, my, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 girls per trip. Um, but then there's lots of girls who are in the troop for many years, just fundraising to try and get to the point where they can actually go on a trip. I'm totally fascinated by this in case you can't tell. I don't think my council has anything like this. We have standard troops and if girls want to be part of activities that their troop leaders don't necessarily want to support, then they kind of switch troops or start new ones. And um, I mean, troops can travel together. I don't know, there's events and stuff like that, but I'm just totally fascinated by this whole concept. So in case you can't tell, I'm kind of stuck on it. Um, so I guess, I don't know, I guess I could probably do an entire conversation about this, but I know other people probably want to know about all the other cool stuff that you are involved with. So tell me about your standard troop that you're involved with. Um, what grade level, how large, you know, what's that like? Yeah. So, um, my, I'm currently a troop leader for 10 ambassador Girl Scouts. Um, there's a total of three co-leaders. 
Um, and these girls are all finishing up 11th grade of their girl experience um, with Girl Scouts, hopefully not their entire Girl Scout experience. I'm a pretty strong advocate for trying to find a way to get young alum more and more involved. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what the current troop is. That's awesome. And have these girls been together since the beginning? Have you been with them since the beginning? I have not been with them since the beginning. I joined them while they were cadets. Um, so I guess uh, kind of a little bit of a, a background. So I was a Girl Scout all the way through 12th grade. Um, after I graduated um, high school, I immediately started volunteering and I became a co-leader for a troop that my sister was in and my mom was one of the co-leaders. Um, it's the same troop that I had done all of my senior Girl Scout leadership hours and leader and training hours before there was ambassadors. Um, and I watched those girls go all the way up through graduation. Um, then took kind of maybe, I don't know, two years off as a troop leader, although I was still in all the myriad of other um, volunteer roles. And then I decided I kind of wanted to get back into a troop. And so found a troop that was looking for um, leaders, but otherwise was already kind of established, especially for older, older scouts. And so that's how I got paired up with this troop. Um, most of the girls in the troop have been together for quite a long time. And um, my two co-leaders are two of the parents of girls who have also been in it a long time, um, but not, I guess, forever. Some girls have kind of come in and out. In fact, I have one girl who is brand new to Girl Scouts as of this year, which is just mind-blowing and awesome. That is mind-blowing and awesome. I love that. I just, um, actually, I guess two weeks ago or so, I just had one of my cadets tell me that one of her friends wants to join. And, and I thought that was mind blowing and cool, but even more exciting at even a higher level. So that's exciting. Um, okay. So you were a Girl Scout uh, growing up and you did all the high awards. So I want to know, tell me about your gold award. Yeah. So my Girl Scout gold award was um, I guess in the quote old system where it was 50 hours, but a lot more prereqs rather than the 80 hour system that it is now. Um, my project was about diversity awareness and I essentially brought, um, three different elementary schools, a diversity program that encouraged them to, I guess, become more aware of the fact that there are other types of people in the world. Um, I, built them a month-long curriculum. Uh, a piece of it was different shoe day, which is obviously a kind of a Girl Scout holiday. Um, also did the thinking day event for my area, but invited those elementary schools who did the diversity program to come. And that way they could tour around the world with a little passport and kind of experience what I assume most areas consider their thinking day event, um, but also worked with like after school care to teach games from around the world. Um, encourage the schools to do like a, a new buddy lunch day so they get to sit next to someone new in the cafeteria and just kind of experience the fact that not everyone's the same and that's cool. Okay so I had to google two different shoe day because I have never heard of this and oh, no. I am just kind of mind blown so I need you to tell me about this first of all yes oh, first okay wait first of all great project super important super relevant even now which is actually sad that it's still so relevant but 
so important and congratulations on your gold award. So actually that's first of all, second of all, please tell me and all of us about two different shoe day and how can we bring this to our troops or our local areas if it isn't already part of that experience? Um, so yeah, so I had just assumed that different shoe day was a national program. So maybe it's not. Um, so different shoe day is basically in association with thinking day of wanting to think about girls and girl scouts and people in general all over the world. Um, so the goal is basically on February 22nd, uh, which is girl scout thinking day, um, wear two different shoes. Uh, if the school is going to lose their mind about it, which sometimes they do because for PE purposes, it may or may not be safe or whatever. Um, sometimes you can do two different sock day. Um, but the goal is to essentially wear two different shoes for the day and realize that it's okay. Like you may be a little bit lopsided. It may not be as perfect and seamless as it usually is, but you can get through it. And this is how the world works is getting through different kinds of people. Um, and then in our council there, it, there's usually like an activity, I don't know, little booklet or badge requirements, um, that will list a whole bunch of other things that you can and should consider doing to kind of explore this topic further. But the real big focus of it is just wear two different shoes on February 22nd. Okay. So that is so interesting to me and I love it. And I love to learn about new stuff. A quick Googling a little bit of Google mastery while I was listening to you says that first of all, different shoe day is on like the, you know, 365 days of holidays calendar. That's not Girl Scout affiliated. That's just like day of peanut butter and whatever. Um, so it's on there, but then also it looks like North Carolina Coastal Pines Council actually has a patch program for different shoe day, which makes so much more sense as to why it would be a big deal in your world. Um, and um, yeah, so if you are listening to this and it isn't already present where you are, you can definitely Google different shoe day and honestly just Girl Scouts, but I'll also link the patch program in um, the show notes for North Carolina Coastal Pines, but you can access the patch program and check out more details about that. So that's kind of cool. Okay, thanks. I just learned something new already. Um, okay, so other than that, as a Girl Scout growing up, what are some of your favorite memories or the most exciting adventures you had when you were growing up in Girl Scout? Yeah, so growing up, I kind of mentioned I was in I guess two or three different councils if you consider some of the redistricting name changes as a council. Um, so my favorite younger girl memories are definitely camping under the stars with no tents, um, which in my current council would kind of blow people's minds because we have too many bugs to really consider camping without tents. Um, but in California, we camped in the Redwood Forest of California um, and I remember being like a brownie and a junior and looking for banana slugs and it being the absolute coolest thing in the whole world. Um, and still, when I tell people that I've slept under the stars with no tents, um, obviously some people get it because they're outdoorsy, but other people just, it, they can't even fathom that idea. Um, from an older girl perspective, in my council, um, we have a big massive event for teen campery, which I realize lots of counties councils, even nationally has camperies. Um, but at Camp Mushani, um, which is one of our uh, properties for about six-ish years, I was on the core staff for that. So essentially helped run the event for other teens. And I just, 
it was something that basically held me in Girl Scouts, even during those challenging teenage years where I wasn't sure if I wanted to do this anymore, but it helped me develop amazing relationships with both peers and adults, um, leadership skills, and awesome, fun memories. As somebody who did go through those tough teenage years of not being sure if you wanted to stick with it, and now also having a lot of experience with older girl programming, what advice do you have for volunteers or parents who are listening to keep girls motivated and interested in being being part of Girl Scouts? Like, what can we do to make this relevant for older girls? My biggest recommendation is honestly not all sunshine and roses, but Girl Scouts is not for everyone. And that makes me a little bit sad, but it's also very real. And I feel like we need to try and make sure we hold on to the girls who want to be there and don't drag girls into it kicking and screaming. Um, I think that's one thing that makes the program a little bit sad is when there's a girl who is mostly on paper and not actually participating or she's only showing up because mom's dropping her off or dad's dropping her off. And I wanna make sure that the people who are there are really invested. Now, as far as the girls who are invested and we want to keep invested, ask them what they want to do. I realize this program is girl-led and it should be, um, and that means different things to different people, but find out what kind of inspires the troop. So one of the things that my previous troop um, was really, really into was like the leadership component and like the leading events thing, which is what I was doing like in the teen campery type of thing. Like that's what kind of kept us going. Um, versus the troop I'm in now, which is very different and not necessarily bad, but it's definitely more of a social circle. Like the girls have kind of grown up with each other. They are now at a whole bunch of different schools and they really just wanna kind of hang out and see each other and keep in touch. And so we try to find activities that are kind of low key and fun that keep them inspired. Um, but it's definitely like, I don't wanna push them to be leaders if they don't wanna be leaders for younger troops or if they certainly want to explore that, I want to support them. Um, but just find out what works for that troop. And sometimes it's not like, I don't know, the perfect Girl Scout cookie cutter, but it's what that specific girl or that troop makes of it. That's great. Now, having been involved in a ton of really cool capacities, this might be sort of a challenging question to narrow down, but tell me as many as you want. What is one of your proudest moments as a Girl Scout or a Girl Scout volunteer? So as a Girl Scout volunteer, one of my proudest moments um, was by far in New York City. So um, in the summer of, I guess, my first uh, troop as a leader, um, we took girls in the summer of the girls rising eighth and ninth grade years. We took a four-day trip to New York. Um, we claimed it was to see the national headquarters and to stay at Camp Andre Clark, which is near the Edith Macy Conference Center, but really New York City was the focus. Um, and so after two to three days, we asked the girls to figure out how they were gonna get us from wherever we were to our next plans, which was to go see Stomp. And they, we had honestly planned enough time to get lost because I was fully prepared to let them get lost. Um, but I wanted them to figure out the subway system, uh, which platform to get in, um, which car to get on, making sure everyone was accounted for, et cetera. Um, and I still get the chills when I kind of tell this story, but I love the way that they crowded around the rent map. They figured it out. Girls were yelling to each other, don't get on this one, don't get on this one. 
this is not the right one. And then turning around being like, next stop, next stop, we're all getting off. And um, like as eighth and ninth graders, they made sure that we all got to the right place with plenty of time. And we even got to have dinner before the show, which was awesome. Um, but I, I can literally picture so this. Proud. That's so cool. <laughs> Um, it was, it was definitely one of my proudest moments to watch these girls go from like, oh my God, this is the biggest city I've ever been in. I don't know what I'm doing to running a subway. So that is a great story. I love it. Um, so what are some other cool adventures or experiences that you've done with or without your troop? Uh, so one of the coolest adventures, um, well, that's such a hard one for me, I guess. So travel is very important to me. And I think it expands the horizon of people to make them more rounded and open-minded. So New York City was obviously amazing. We also did Savannah, Georgia in the summer of the girls rising in um, fourth and fifth grade years. Um, then we also made a trip to Europe as our last hurrah, which included um, a visit to Pax Lodge in Arcabana. Uh, the trip was England, France, and Switzerland. Um, in my own Girl Scout troop, when I was a girl, we did a cruise to the Bahamas. Um, my new, I guess, current troop has a Europe trip planned for, um, as of right now, 22. Uh, it was actually supposed to happen last summer, but it's rescheduled uh, twice due to COVID. Um, and then through the international travel troop, I actually traveled with mostly adults to go to Sangam, which is the world center in India. And then I also, um, during COVID actually, went to our Cabana in October, uh, which is the Girl Scout World Center in Mexico. So I've been to all four of the, I guess, permanent structure world centers. Um, it is on my bucket list to get to Kusafiri as well, which is the roving target uh, somewhere in the continent of Africa. Um, but all the world centers are closed due to COVID. So I have to wait at least a year to get there. Plus, obviously, the build up of finances again. <laughs> so I am so blown away by this. This is another thing that could be an entire episode of me just asking you questions about your world center experiences. But maybe I'll just have to see if you're willing to come on for a couple more things because we just do not have time to talk about all of the amazing things that you have done. So that is so cool. Thanks. I love it. I I mean, I don't know. I realize that some people I mean, a large number of people in this country never get a passport and never leave it. And I think that that's one of the things that Girl Scouts gets to provide is opportunity. Um, and so I have been able to, I guess, put a little bug in some of the girls of, you know, this is possible. It's expensive and we're going to have to work hard to get there, but we can do it. And I mean, literally the last trip that I went on with my own girls, like they, most of them had to go get a passport this current group, most of them had to go get a passport. Even when I did my troop as a girl, like some of the, um, my, I guess, troop members didn't have passports. So it's definitely something that I think is awesome to kind of explore. Yeah. My girls are still on the young side. My oldest girls are just finishing seventh grade, but I, um, they really want to do it. They really want to stay until high school. They really want to travel internationally, but there is the part of me, like I know troops do it. And I so believe in that. And I think you're spot on that. This is an opportunity that Girl Scouts can give girls. Um, but there is the part of me that feels so a afraid, be overwhelmed and see just like, it feels so far away. I mean, literally, but also, you know, hypothetically just so far away and 
so intangible to even imagine like can I as a volunteer just an everyday random volunteer can I really get my girls to that point where they can travel internationally so what tips do you have for other volunteers like me who are listening and just thinking like I want this for my girls how do I get there (laughs) so I think that if you just have like one or two girls that is interested in doing it as opposed to like the whole troop I would definitely encourage them to check out Girl Scout Destinations. Uh, Girl Scout Destinations is the one thing that I regret not doing myself as a girl, um, but they have um, a, it's, it, I guess it used to be called Wider Opportunities, um, but the destinations are national offerings that go to within the United States and then also internationally, and they help kind of put together a band of girls from all over the country who are interested in going to um, Australia or Costa Rica or the Grand Canyon or whatever the case may be. Um, And so that, I mean, they're not free by any means. They still cost money. And for some people, money's a lot, which I totally understand and get, but they're severely discounted pricing um, than if you tried to do like a whole troop or even a whole family worth of people to go on one of these awesome things. Now, if you do have a whole troop that's interested in going, um, I would definitely say planning far in advance makes a big difference and really trying to drive up the attention and interest sooner rather than later of, because I think that a lot of girls drop out in middle school and high school because they think they've done it all. And I really am a huge supporter of let's find a reason to keep them in scouts, whatever that may be. Um, and so for me, I think I've been able to use the international travel as kind of a bug. Um, when it comes to the actual traveling aspects, um, I think that you can absolutely do it. If you're not someone who personally loves to travel or has a lot of experience, there are, um, two main organizations that help do like student travel that at least I have experience with. So EF tours. Um, is actually partnered with Girl Scouts in the sense that they actually do the whole Pax Lodge and Archelle um, thing. So you can actually go to those particular locations. Um, my next trip is actually booked through Explorica, which is a kind of equivalent competitor type thing that we found was a little bit cheaper for the trip that we wanted to go on. So, but I don't have true travel experience with them yet to confirm that they're awesome or not. My experience so far is pretty darn good, but um And then also doing cruises are really easy as far as like kind of one-stop shop. Like you still have to complete all your paperwork and your council will likely have requirements as far as when you're going internationally, having additional insurance, um, making sure that you get your different activities approved through your like safety activity checkpoints. So if you're going to go snorkeling or whatever, you need to have certified individuals. So you still have to abide by those rules. But I do think that going on like, a cruise or with an organization helps reduce a lot of that stress and anxiety because you are, you're going with someone who kind of knows what they're doing. And if you really have the gumption for it, you could absolutely book your own thing. I can tell you that the co-leader that we have in troop 7,000 here, um, one of her kind of jobs is also, uh, like a travel advisor. And so she definitely booked the Sangam trip that I went on, like was a lot of her planning um, and making that kind of experience and where she needed professional help and what she could do herself. And so 
I mean, it just depends on the gumption, but I think it's totally doable as long as you can kind of assess. For me, I don't know that I would want to take girls into a country that I couldn't speak the language without a professional, but that's, I don't mind going to those countries by myself, but taking 10 of someone else's kids makes me a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. So what's one of your craziest or silliest Girl Scout memories? Um, so one of my silliest Girl Scout memories was probably as a camp counselor. So I worked at Camp Graham, which is another one of the camp properties that we have in North Carolina Coastal Pines. Um, at the Girl Scout camp, um, in addition to Girl Scouts, we actually had three weeks of camp where Duke Children's Hospital would bring their own medical support staff, but allow kids to come to camp who otherwise would never have been in a position to enjoy experiences like kids who are on dialysis or um, just completely limited. Um, but the weeks they came were absolutely ridiculous because they would do pranks and there would be um, all kinds of rowdiness. And it was so loud at camp all the time and in the dining hall and whatever. But um, one of the craziest moments was when we did a shaving cream fight at the waterfront and it was, it was just too much. I, I will never forget those kids and adults letting loose, screaming, hollering, and it was pure joy. Like, and it was crazy. That sounds like so much fun. And especially in a time of COVID, it just sounds like a dream of, oh, this is what I miss and this is what I love and I can't wait to get back to it. Mm-hmm. So Girl Scouts isn't just to help girls grow. It's for adults to grow too. And that is a huge reason why I even wanted to start this podcast in the first place is to talk about how all the benefits that the girls get from participating in Girl Scouts, we get as adults also. What is one way you've personally been impacted or changed through the experience of volunteering? So it's hard to say for sure what has changed for me since I guess I've never not been a volunteer since I've been an adult. Um, I just keep constantly morphing roles. But I guess I think one of the concepts would be that you can always make a difference from daisies learning what a service project is and what it means to help other people. Um, And those are usually planned by adults to the older girls kind of expanding what it means to create their own take action project to the highest awards of silver and gold um, plus bronze, although I personally have not worked with juniors in that process because I tend to favor older girls. Um, But the point is that whether you're an adult or a girl of any age that you can make a difference for the better, you don't have to change the world. But even just improving one tiny facet for one life is an amazing experience. And watching it happen in the next generation is priceless. So good. And you're just absolutely speaking my language. I mean, I love my juniors, but also um, just so passionate about older girl program. I love it. Um, What has been the biggest challenge for you specifically as a troop leader? So I think one of the challenges is the fact that I don't actually have my own daughter in this program, which I know you've talked about on different podcasts that you're in that similar boat. Um, I don't suspect that I will honestly ever birth my own children, but I think sometimes people don't, or maybe they just didn't. And now it's a little bit different, but don't take me as seriously since I was quote, so young or didn't realize what it's like, um, or I'm pushing the girls too hard. Um, I think helping parents learn that they can also take part in the expansion of their girls' development 
um, or have them help push rather than just shelter them is sometimes hard. Um, I feel like the girls have the potential and I feel like sometimes they limit themselves, but then sometimes their parents do. And my goal is to see how far we can go and making them get the most out of their experience. What advice would you give new troop leaders? Um, so the hardest thing is that you don't have to do it all. You can pick a couple aspects that you're willing to contribute towards and become great at doing this. Um, I will say that in general, Girl Scouts will constantly ask you to do more. Um, and if you're up for it, great, but you should also know when to say no. Um, I would rather see volunteers keep doing what they love and grow where it's most appropriate rather than get burned out because they keep doing more and more and more. And then one day they just kind of rage quit and they can't handle it anymore. Man, that's good advice. <laughs> what advice would you give someone considering volunteering with Girl Scouts? I would say it's totally worth it. And um, it's, it's potentially a lot of work depending on what you're agreeing to. And the problem is you probably don't know what you're agreeing to, but it's okay. It's going to be fine. It's going to be awesome. Um, but know that it makes a difference. It really does. Um, I truly believe that um, a lot of who I became as a contributing member of society uh, is because of the opportunities that Girl Scouts offered me. Um, I do think obviously my upbringing certainly helped, but Girl Scouts is amazing. And so you're going to make a difference whether you realize it or not. Um, and so give it a try. And my favorite question to end on is what are some of your favorite resources or go-to resources to help run your troop? Um, so I do think that the VTK or the volunteer toolkit and also the journey leader books um, have made implementation of materials so helpful for newer leaders. Um, I can tell you, I certainly did not have that. And I kind of was always recreating the wheel or at least it felt like that. Um, I think they help break down tasks into something that looks like a meeting. Um, but honestly, one of my favorite, and some of it might be a nostalgia factor, but is I love the old Girl Scout material books. Um, I am not anti-journey and I don't wish for us to quote, go back to the way it was. But I think one of the reasons that Girl Scouts is thriving in general is because we have this strong desire to keep up with the times and to constantly stay relevant. But the old badge books also have good ideas that you can help bring into some of those lesson plans. So if you have one of the old Brownie Triad books or the junior badge books, look at some of the requirements in your current stuff, and then maybe look at a comparable badge in the old materials and entertain ways to kind of bring that into fruition. Um, I find that it's super fun to kind of work on like a quote older badge, um, but also not so old that it's no longer relevant. Just looking at some of the things that maybe, um, I don't know, was presented in a slightly different way. And now all of a sudden the girls are excited about it. Yes, I think that's a great suggestion and such a good balance of um, appreciating where the program is today, appreciating how it's continuing to grow and evolve, but also it's just more good ideas. We have over a hundred years of good ideas of good girl programming, and we don't need to recreate the wheel every single time we're trying to plan activities and events. And so especially um, for older girls, letting them go through 
the older material and see the older material and see the the Girl Scout history in that and finding pieces that appeal to them. I think that that can be a lot of fun. So thank you so, so much for spending time with me. Um, hopefully this was um, just as easy as you hoped it would be just as painless. I had a great time hearing about your experiences and I hope we get to talk again. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. And I hope it's certainly helpful for leaders to hear this and everything else that you have to offer, because I think what you're offering is really cool and unique. Oh, thank you so much.